3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from
5: HowStuffWorks.com.
6: Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We're joined, as always, by our super producer, uh. Noel, uh, Noel uh, we'll work on a nickname later, Brown. We'll, we'll get one. We'll get one. We'll get there. Promise. Uh, but that's not all, folks. You may have heard another dulcet tone uh, chuckling softly in the background. That is because we are joined by a very special guest today. A longtime friend of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Strickland.
4: Hey there, Scott and Ben. How are you guys doing? Doing well, thank you. Ben, I think I detect a little post CES hoarseness in
6: your voice today. That's true. If anybody noticed as I'm sounding a little bit Christian Bale Batman-esque. It's because along with uh, some along with some of the resident mavericks and uh, geniuses at How Stuff Works. Couple of madmen. Couple of madmen. Jonathan and I traveled to CES uh, for twenty seventeen in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, what does CES stand for, Jonathan?
4: Well, originally it stood for the Consumer Electronics Showcase, but these days they just call it CES, kind of like American Movie Classics just became AMC.
6: Or the Learning Channel just became TLC.
4: TLC. Uh, yeah, so uh, the part of the reason for that is they've, over the last few years, this show, which is a giant trade show happens every year in Las Vegas, Nevada, it used to happen twice a year. They had one in Chicago, and then they said, uh, let's just go down to once. This show, it's having more and more technology from further and further out of the, your, your classic electronics realm, like mm-hmm. your consumer electronics realm. So, we've started to see kind of a shift away from referring it to it as the consumer electronics show, mm-hmm. more as just CES. And when you hear CES, you realize, okay, this is, uh, the world of electronics as far afield as, um, like, like industrial electronics in mm-hmm. some cases to vehicles, which is why I am here today on Car Stuff.
2: Yeah, it's a rare, rare occurrence. We've rarely had anybody in the studio outside of Ben and I
1: mm-hmm. uh, for
2: Car Stuff in the entire history of the show, so uh, you're one of very few to be invited into the studio during the uh, yeah. the recording session. But I am
4: yeah. I'm greatly honored. And this is, by the way, a sister episode to one that we have already recorded but not yet published as of the publication date of this episode
6: of tech stuff. Time oh. travel's weird. Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah. The Jonathan has been traveling to CES for what, nine years that now? that was my
4: ninth year, yeah. Nine
6: wow. years. Wow. And uh because of the focus that C S and some manufacturers are throwing on vehicles and automotive technology uh, we were invited. Car stuff was invited to travel there. So I went as I guess a cub reporter to do the auto beat and I really, really appreciate the invitation and hopefully didn't embarrass you too much uh, because our boy Strick is pretty connected at CES and we couldn't walk like 15 feet without him running into someone.
2: Yeah, is that right? Well, after nearly a decade there, I mean, you got to yeah. you get your people, name out there. People right? start to remember you, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, so the entire technology world, uh, as far as journalism is concerned, is there in some respect, right? Mm. You've got some uh, some outlets like CNET or The sure. Verge with lots and lots of people. TechCrunch was there with their own stage. Uh, and also now that we've got more and more automotive tech on display, people from that world are also coming in. And uh, just kind of a brief rundown of how the car world has sort of started to take over parts of CES. Several years ago, some of, some big name companies in technology began to, uh, kind of opt out of CES, like Microsoft being a Mm -hmm. huge one, right? Mm -hmm. So you have Microsoft leaving CES in order for them to do their own events on their own schedule.
6: Similar to Apple.
4: Similar to Apple, which has always maintained Mm -hmm. that that's the way that company wants to do business. They want to hold their own, uh, their own calendar of events and not get, lost in the shuffle with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, that opened up opportunities for new companies to come into CES. Space had opened up. And that's where the car company started to come in. And it also coincided with a couple of other trends that I suspect we'll talk about this episode. Right. Those being the connected car, uh, driverless cars and various automated uh, 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 products, automated systems. And then um, as well as just some some innovations in uh, vehicle technology in general. like mm-hmm. We've seen uh, in past CESs, we've seen electric vehicles, we've seen uh, fuel cell vehicles, which are very closely related to electric vehicles, uh, and others as well. And so this year, no exception. We saw some interesting and, in some cases maybe not controversial but at least questionable right, right, right. <laughs> um, uh, show floor examples so <laughs> we uh, i i came on here to kind of talk about some of the stuff i saw and really also to kind of be another sounding board for ben because ben concentrated on that for the entire show mm-hmm. my beat is pretty much all of technology so i only spent a little time in the north hall at the las vegas convention center which traditionally mm-hmm. is the place that's set aside specifically for automotive technologies
6: right and now while scott was holding down the fort or in our case uh the garage we were we were out there in vegas checking on everything from uh this is definitely happening type technology mm-hmm. uh for instance Smart rear view mirrors, which have been around for a while, right yeah, uh, and they're marketing directly to people who would just buy these for a fleet or some commercial application, we saw that kind of stuff, and then we saw to the uh, the furthest reaches of what automotive technology is capable of, some of which is uh, immensely fascinating and uh, at the same time a little bit disturbing so scott what what we wanted to explore with you is is kind of run some stuff past you and see see what you thought in uh you know plumbing the depths of your expertise to see if this will happen or if it won't because let's face it we've done stuff on concept cars in the past and sure. we we saw some concept cars at uh at CES and even more Abstract like concepts of things that could be in cars. Yeah, important yeah. difference.
2: So some of this will be uh, like seat of the pants reactionary stuff for me uh-huh. because uh, some of it's all new to me. I haven't read about every little bit that, that came out. You guys were immersed in this for a full week. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've tried to you know keep my eye on the headlines and you know some of the stuff that was the bigger news that came out. I suppose sure. Um, but I don't know it in depth like you guys do. So a lot of this stuff is going to be all new to me as well. Mm-hmm. And again, just reactions to what you've seen. I'm I'm curious to find out like um, you know I've got a couple. Questions for you, if you don't, don't mind, right? Yeah, later. It, it yeah, so, um, well, one is probably a bigger question that maybe we'll get into later. But you saw the launch of an all new vehicle while you were there.
6: Oh wow! And uh, that was yeah. huge.
2: I mean, we we posted that on Facebook. Yeah. It's a the Faraday, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, but, but I guess I guess outside of mm-hmm. something like that, something dramatic like that, was there anything there that was really um, earth shaking, anything game changing out there? Oh yeah Because it seemed to me that a lot of it was more refining what's already. Mm-hmm. Which, already there. You know, th- right. it, it wasn't like anything was a huge reveal and a big shock to anybody. It was more like um, we've, we've perfected this.
6: There was some cool stuff. I think one that Jonathan and I can both speak to came from Toyota.
2: Yeah. Toyota's, uh,
4: uh, their, their big announcement was really to act as kind of the embodiment of something they had been talking about the previous year. So in 2016, Toyota's big announcement was that they were investing millions of dollars in a pair of... AI research facilities, and they were really focusing on ways to advance artificial intelligence as it applies to vehicles, Uh, specifically taking a very different approach than some other automotive companies saying, we are not close to having a driverless car. They're not bullish on it at all. They say that's coming. It will get here. But we're further away than some of these companies would have us think. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in order to be safe and responsible and hold ourselves accountable, we should take a more measured, cautious
6: approach. Like incremental steps.
4: Exactly. And mm-hmm. so uh, they, they talked about AI a lot in 2016. And in 2017, they unveiled a concept vehicle, the concept I, which I argue is not a concept vehicle to show what the car is going to look like in the future, but rather as an actual way to concretely discuss the potential of AI being incorporated into a vehicle. So in other words, you can think of it as a platform. It's not meant to say like, hey, this this is going to be the kind of car you're going to see in like five years. More, It was more to the point of, we, we have created this idea for an artificial intelligence agent, similar to something you would see in Amazon Echo or Google Home. Like Alexa, Siri
6: yeah. kind of
2: stuff. Yeah. So, what were some of the features that you saw in this video? Oh, okay. Man. Well, okay.
4: so Ben, you got to do the demo, right? Right, right. And right. I got to do the, actually, I was the first person to yeah. get to do the demo. It was pretty mm-hmm. awesome.
6: Oh, you were cool. actually our, our, our hookup for Toyota, so yeah. thank you for that. Very so, cool.
4: so, the demo was a simulated car. Uh, uh, drivers, uh, driver and passenger side up. English style. They had the the steering wheel on the wrong side of the car. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so you'd sat down and it wasn't, there was no articulation. It was really just to get what the experience would be like to drive this vehicle, this concept vehicle of the future. And you had this artificial, intelligent, agent named Yui, Mm -hmm. Y-U-I, and we could talk about where that name came from, but it's really the most important thing is that it was there to be your uh, interface with the vehicle. And Yui's job would be to monitor your behaviors, your reactions, your body's response to various uh, things that are happening Mm -hmm. while you are driving the car. And emphasis on you are driving the car. It is uh, a concept where the AI could take over in cases where it's necessary, but otherwise would simply be enhancing your ability to pilot your own vehicle, which mm. I think Scott,
2: you would appreciate being the guy who loves to drive cars. Well, yeah, I like that, but I don't know if I like the idea that it could take over any moment for you. Well,
4: in this case, it was for things that you might not be able to see, like let's say that there's a car in your blind spot and you're trying to get over in a lane. So mm. it'd be kind of like that collision oh, detection stuff. Just yeah. wouldn't allow you to, right? Knows right. you're breaking too yeah.
6: late or something. Right, a, right. a bike comes out uh, in the side street. So let's let's walk Scott through this. So sure, you went to Epcot Center at some point in your life. Sure. Right. Okay. It's very much it made me feel as though I were a kid again in an Epcot uh, futuristic ride. It's a very good comparison. You hop in, you hop in, and there's a there's a large uh, a, a huge screen that you see through the windshield. Uh, you're asked a couple of questions on a touch screen on a tablet before you hop in the car. Very basic stuff. Name, you know, so you'd be like Jonathan S. or whatever. Uh, rough age. Yeah, what
4: kind of stuff do you like to do? Because the idea is this artificial intelligence agent over time mm-hmm. would learn about you, like your preferences. Mm-hmm. And, and by doing that would help plan out routes where you would have not necessarily the fastest mm-hmm. trip from point A to point B, but perhaps the most pleasurable. Let's say that you are in a different part of uh, of of the country and mm-hmm. it happens to know that you really like hiking, for example, and there's this very highly ranked Hiking trail that's just a little bit out of your way that that the car says, you know what, maybe you would like to experience this. The weather's mm-hmm. really nice; it's ideal for a hike. It's only eight more minutes. You've got yeah. nothing. You've got nothing on your schedule that demands your time. Like it knows everything about you because yeah. it's part of your your uh, you know your digital environment.
2: Hmm.
6: So, so it's
4: aware yeah. of the stuff that
6: you do. So it the- becomes more like a buddy. Ideally, okay, I see. It's making decisions for you, though, right? So, you, yeah, well, it is like, well, more
4: like suggestions. Okay, yeah.
6: suggestions. So it won't it won't override you with some I can't do that. I can't let you do that <laughs> <how> <laughs> <right>. situation. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. But so, like, hiking's is great example. So I picked hiking uh, out of these things that you like to do, and so hopped in. And so we hopped in, and it said, "We're going to this park. Would you like to go to this national park?" And I said, "Yes," because I'm not going to like start fights with this thing when we just met and uh one other interesting thing is jonathan did you get a male or a female voice i had i want to say it was male but i got a male voice too and i think there's something with demographic information from that initial uh list of questions so anyway we hop in and in this mode on street driving you would be operating the car we're not in the demo but in real life you would be driving and then it has a pop-up uh, HUD display, and so this HUD will let you know when there's a, a a vehicle coming out suddenly, a pedestrian, and then it will control that braking if you're not doing it. Mm. Right. And then once you get to the interstate, it's, uh, once you get to the interstate, the seat changes position, and it starts... Try, it starts trying to create via uh, rhythmic pressure on the lumbar uh, a slower breathing pattern, and then it goes into full autonomous. Wait, mode.
2: wait, 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 wait! This car is going to try to control your breathing when you're on. The, it a, gives a you road. a back
4: rub, Scott. That's uh, well yeah, kind on. Of what it is. It gives uh. you gives you a little back rub, and and it uses uh, interior lighting within the car to promote relaxation, as mm. well as uh, audio cues to help with that as yep. well. And so, um, and air
6: air air vents. To air vents simulate.
4: as well. Yeah. So oh, the whole hilarious. idea is that that. The car, this <laughs> car of the future. Keep in mind, this is all this is all proof of concept sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's not really, right. it's not, it's not really doing these things uh, wholeheartedly because it's more like a choose-your own adventure style uh, experience where certain things are already built into it. So mm-hmm. it's not dynamically doing this yet. But this is this is the concept they mm-hmm. have. So imagine that you're driving down the highway and your stress levels are increasing mm-hmm. because of traffic.
6: Sure, sure. The yeah.
4: car would be able to detect that based upon your heart rate, your your breathing, perhaps even uh, there, it might be able to detect it through the steering wheel. And so then it starts to try and promote these relaxation techniques so that you don't have those elevated stress levels. It might take over for you for a mm-hmm. while so that you can relax while you are on this, this part of the trip. Uh, before handing off control again. And it does so well in advance. So it's not like uh, a thing where you get a little beep and you have a second to, re- to respond. Yeah, and it's then like the active in consent,
6: mm-hmm. active mm-hmm. alerts, but also the idea is that people in this vehicle would be able to use social media, check stuff on Wikipedia, call somebody while the car is driving for them, uh, ultimately. And This is where we get into – Jonathan said this earlier. This is where we get into something that might be murky water, the depth of knowledge this has about you. So we mentioned it takes the happiest route. Ideally, what it would do is not just use your information, but use the information of every other UE driver. So let's say we're in – let's say we're here in Atlanta. Okay, sure. And and we're going toward – the new Braves st- stadium or ugh, whatever. I ugh. Don't, why would we? But that it's was a terrible,
4: terrible mistake that we've made. But we've okay. made
6: a terrible mistake. <laughs> right. But UE won't prevent us from making mistakes. No. He'll uh, <laughs> <It'll laughs> just, just try and give us the happiest route to our mistake. Right. Exactly. That's, that's what we're getting at. It would map – the it would map the data of all the other people who had driven there and all the other people who had driven from a closer something approximate to our point A if that was our point B and so what we're doing then is we're encountering not just the information of Jonathan driving, not just the information of Scott, but also me, also Noel, also anyone else in the vehicle it would also if you, because this is one of the questions I asked you know when it goes to how much does no know about you it would have access to some social media things too, it would have uh, access to how, how you responded, even stuff like your heart rate. It would know when your birthday is, Scott. So you would hop in and it would be like, Happy birthday, Scott. Oh, no, I don't like this. Why so would you sing like to, to go to yeah. it? So you're,
2: <laughs> you're, just to be clear on this, you're saying that it would network with other concept I vehicles. That uh, and theoretically, so it's not just this one vehicle. It won't it won't remember uh, preferences from you when you drove my vehicle. It will remember. It, it will know what uh, other concept I drivers are doing as that's
6: well. That's a good that's question because as facial recognition, yeah, ah, okay. I think
2: I think what would ultimately
4: happen is that there would be a centralized kind of cloud based mm-hmm. database. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't be that my car is communicating directly with your car, Scott, but rather both of our cars are communicating with HQ in the cloud. Okay. And then that information, I would imagine, would be anonymized as best as possible and then aggregated Mm -hmm. in such a way that you could draw very, very basic conclusions from all that data. So some of that would just be – I happen to know that on on days like this under these conditions, Route C – is t- typically the fastest while also being the most pleasant, uh, as opposed to, uh, hey, your buddy Scott really likes this uh, this establishment over here where people dance for money. <laughs> they <laughs> right. probably
6: wouldn't do that. That's a good concern. And thanks, thanks John. They worked on a lot of. Uh, you can already tell. I think that there are, there are a lot of subtle and not so subtle psychological cues and programmatic things going in here. One of one of. Um, my favorite conversations about this vehicle was off the air when Jonathan got some of the initial information about this vehicle. And uh, then later, I, you know, I said, well, what's coming up? What do you think is worth seeing? And what do you think about this thing? And then we started talking about um, one of the strangest parts, which is the headlights.
4: Yeah, they're like uh, little eyes and they can wink at you.
6: Oh, no. And every so blinked. often they blink. Yeah. Really? They do? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. no
4: kidding. It's meant to, again, the car itself, I think, was meant to be a conversation starter, like the design right. of okay. the car and the lighting. Like, the lighting is actually really interesting, too, because it could control, it had uh, multi-color, multi-hue LEDs mm-hmm. all inside the vehicle. So mm-hmm. the entire cabin can turn different colors and the, Idea is that it can help promote different emotional reactions, that I, sort
2: of thing. I think there are production cars right now that have a similar system, yeah, something like that, Just set the mood however you want I and mean, custom look. Also, to act as like an alert if something is coming up that you oh.
4: might possibly. So it could be that when you when you're driving the vehicle, it's under your control, and there is a potential hazard that you'll have to react to. The car would be able to send you various alerts visually. Audibly and even through touch.
2: So uh, a, a slowdown or a stop ahead, it might turn bright red immediately. Like, pay attention. Something's yeah. happening.
4: Yeah.
6: Right.
2: Okay.
4: Or it I could be that. that if there's a report of say an accident up ahead, maybe that's what starts to mm-hmm. show up. So that way you are more alert and you you can make certain to get over. So you're not uh, making the da- the situation more dangerous or uh, you know things of that nature. So that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. This is the the way I try to describe it is imagine that Yui. Isn't just uh, some sort of artificial intelligence agent. It's also kind of acting as your navigator and second pair of eyes. Yeah, like you know how you're driving down the road and someone's sitting in the passenger seat. They're also constantly sort of scanning to see what's going on. Yeah, maybe even it's just subconscious, but they might say, "Oh, watch out, that car's coming over." Mm-hmm. That's what UE is doing too.
2: Oh boy, I don't need another one of those in the car. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, I, I, I think what you're describing sounds like a cool toy. It sounds like fun. You know, it's, it'd be interesting to drive, but. I don't know if I'm really on board with all this, and I I think you probably knew that already, that I wouldn't be up for sharing all of this personal information and having it monitor you constantly, and also trying to alter the way that you do things. I mean, I feel like, well right now, I mean, of course we're all manual, and you know, if you want it cooler in the car, you make it cooler in the car. If you want to recline your seat or adjust the lumbar support, you do that yourself. I find it strange that it would try to soothe me. The car would try to, you know, uh, Make uh, create a, a different type of environment for me based mm-hmm. on what it feels I should be feeling at that moment
6: and do it proactively as well. That's the thing it yeah know you want the temperature lower before you do.
2: yeah, well, I just I feel like it's it's just not something that i I would personally want to be sure. I know a lot of people would uh, but uh, again, it would be a fun toy to have. It'd be fun to mess around with this well,
4: thing. Let, let me explain what the philosophy was behind these decisions because I think that that makes it really uh, interesting as well. so Again Toyota is saying fully autonomous cars are on the way they're probably not going to get here as early as some companies seem to uh, be counting on yeah it's going to take a little longer than that but they said we want the experience of being in a car to be an enjoyable one like that's what we we often associate mm-hmm. if you if you're not always just stuck in traffic then you a lot of people in the United States particularly associate and we've talked about this before independence and freedom and enjoyment with the idea of operating a car and being able to get in there and go to new places and have adventures. And that part of that adventure is the actual journey. So what we want to keep that, we don't want the future where we have a fully autonomous car to be a cold and sterile experience where you get into a shiny metal contraption and then you Get on your smartphone and you read Twitter while you're taken from point A to point
2: B. Well, I like that idea. That's uh, that makes perfect sense. Is that you can still have control, mm-hmm. but there are times when, like again, in traffic or something. And what's the, what's the point at that? You, know, you might as well be in an autonomous vehicle right. if you're just going to be going less than ten miles an hour all the way home. Yeah, you know, so for forty or fifty miles. So or whatever. it makes
6: it makes traffic. The idea is then it becomes, as they would say, more about the journey yeah. than the destination. But again, this stuff is as as we said earlier. Th- this stuff, given the tremendous rate of attrition between a concept car or a concept in a car to a production vehicle, this is stuff where we might see aspects of this trickling out in Toyota's production over time. But yeah. I think it's—I applaud their realism when they say, "Look, the automated, the autonomous vehicle for the consumer, for the direct consumer is is not coming as soon as people would have you think, and, and likely the, with oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, for the fleet." However, oh. you know for the for an Uber service or a right. cab service, it's actually it's actually much more likely that those would be the first autonomous vehicles. Yeah.
2: I I see. I was just going to bring up the point that they uh, we might start seeing that stuff in maybe Lexus vehicles first. Oh, then sure. the Toyota line, oh, probably. Yeah. I know it's a Toyota concept, so so maybe there's something there. But um, I would think that they'd roll it out to a, um, a clientele that pays typically pays more for a base model, or not even a base model, mm-hmm. but would pay more for that option. And so, uh,
6: yeah, yeah. And so, one thing uh, that we established, and I think this kind of our ex- exploration Toyota preemptively addresses this question. But one of the big questions I would have as a car stuff listener or someone just on this show is. Look, man, the calendar year is chock full of car shows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, we were really close to, as we record this, it is um, January 9th. We were really, really close to going to a uh, to go into the North American International Roadshow in Detroit. Uh, but we, we stopped because we had some scheduling stuff. The thing that I'm saying here is that there's ultimately a question of, How much is too much? This was very different because it was just focused on technology of this sort, so autonomy, connectivity, some uh, alternative fuel, but it didn't really focus so much on things like the drivetrain, for instance. Right,
4: right? Yeah. uh, uh, In fact, Dr. Dr. Gil Pratt, who um, is the head of Toyota Research Institute, spent a great deal of the press conference – giving what he called a a mini-lecture in artificial intelligence, which you know, I'm sitting in the audience, I was the one person standing up going, yay! <laughs> and he went and very deliberately went through the six levels of autonomy from zero to five mm-hmm. uh, to describe what they were so that people would understand what we really are talking about when we say autonomous cars, because... Uh, Level five, which is full autonomy, where there's no need for any driver intervention under any circumstance. Mm -hmm. That's the one he says, like, we are miles away, pun intended, from that. uh, And then breaking down what the other levels are so that people have a more informed conversation about it. And to me, that was the most beneficial part of the entire – I loved the concept of UE. I loved the concept car. I think it's really interesting. But to me, the most important part of that conversation was him breaking down those levels of autonomy mm-hmm. so that uh, people don't just blindly use the phrase autonomous car and uh, and assume that one autonomous car means – full autonomy. That's right. not really what it means. That's
2: a term that's thrown around a lot recently, especially with Uber in oh, yeah. uh, yeah. cities and their autonomous programs and or what they call autonomous programs. And sure.
6: s- yeah. some of the earlier stuff. We've seen this on the horizon for a long time. Some of the earliest stuff, for instance, would be parking assistance is probably mm-hmm. a great example of the first, produ- the closest production-ready Step toward autonomy. More
4: dynamic cruise control. Some of those things. Dynamic cruise
6: control is a good example as well. But this, okay, so this was one of the, the bigger, more comprehensive things we found. And it was, I think it was realistic. I think they were, they were definitely saying these are the parts of this that are more, uh, science fictional for now. Yeah. More like see what we could do stuff. And I really had immense respect for every, Every tech company that said straight, straight up, point blank, the technology isn't quite here yet, but here's what we would do if we had it. Yeah, uh, and then we came into let's go, let's go to something a little more con- controversial. We talked about the Faraday Future. Oof. So Faraday had uh, Faraday had advertised <laughs> extensively over 2016 that this es would be the unveiling of. Production vehicle, right? Pretty not, tight-lipped about it. Too. Not,
4: not the super crazy concept vehicle right. they showed in 2016, which right. was a, it, it was a weird-looking race car. Oh, mm. I love that one. I, I mean, yeah. I loved it too. Yeah. I got to stand right in front of it, and the whole time yeah. I just wanted
6: to touch it. Yeah, but yeah. They were I, very yeah. firm on me not no doing touching. That. <laughs> they were very, uh, very, very uh, adamant about no touching. Yes, yeah. but I think you, I think you like the ff 912 too. So they had this unveiling but on the way to the unveiling in in time you know chronologically this sounds like a joke yeah right people had a funny thing happened a funny thing happened on a the few way funny to things us. happened yeah <laughs> and uh we don't mean funny haha we mean funny like uh huh german expressionism or something <laughs> right yeah but uh yeah so it became increasingly controversial for them to have this have this conference and there were a lot of people pundits and uh Folks who folks who follow Auto News who were saying, "Well, there's no way it's going to happen. They're not going to do after this." Uh, some of the things that happened, of course, were you know pretty significant setbacks.
4: Yeah, some uh, high high-ranking executives jumped ship. Uh, yeah. I think eight total. Six eight. six did it throughout 2016, and a couple did it just a couple of weeks before CES. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were reports that some of the financing for Faraday Future had fallen through. They, they, Investors
6: pulled out. Not all of them. No,
4: they famously have a guy with very deep pockets in their corner, but so from what we heard, they had halted uh, construction on their production facility, which was being built in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. This is a
2: billion-dollar facility, right?
4: Yeah. 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 So... Uh, there were a lot of questions about what's the viability of the company overall and its plans in particular, uh, considering how bullish they were back in 2016 when they first, they, they really shocked everybody when they came out at CES, showed off that crazy looking, uh, race car and said, here's our plan. We're going to build a basic substructure, which Mm -hmm. can then act as the foundation for any number of different vehicle configurations. Very smart. Very, very clever. Yeah. And and different drivetrain solutions, depending upon what you need. Like if you need a four-wheel drive vehicle, well, then here's how we would do that. If it doesn't need to be four-wheel drive, here's what that would look like. Mm-hmm. And that would obviously affect the weight of the vehicle and the, the, right. the cost of the vehicle. So this year they brought out their uh, – what would be their production vehicle, which they they say would be hitting the uh, the lines in 2018, which right. is next year. If my math is correct, you're pretty spot on with
6: your math there.
4: Thanks, because I I'm still writing 2016 <laughs> down when I, <laughs> when I
6: write the date. So uh, yeah, that's I mean that's a, that's the point. It has people it has people either concerned or significantly skeptical. However, the vehicle itself, uh, the exterior is done. They're pretty, they're pretty solid on the drivetrain and uh, the specs. They're, I think, still working out some stuff on the interior. So we're not going to have too much on the interior yet. But we were able to speak to a guy named Richard Kim, who's the head of the design department. He also – so he's largely responsible for what we would call the DNA of Faraday as a company. He's got a pretty impressive resume because – he was the designer on things like the BMW i3. So he's not, he's not just some guy. He's,
4: he's not, not someone who just joined a startup without any experience right. in the industry. Right. You know, he, lots of
6: experience. He has lots of experience. He knows his stuff. And he uh, he's very knowledgeable in this regard. And he spent a lot of time thinking about beyond just this car, just this 2018 model. They're also thinking about, you know, what's what's coming five ten years from now what is ultimately faraday as a company the entire so, you know the entire product line that's
2: well, admirable but do you think that's a good idea to, i mean shouldn't they get this one vehicle off the ground first maybe and then think about the next five you know along I the feel, way? is and it a
6: flying car
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
6: boy. What, which uh yeah no. consider that a spoiler or some foreshadowing rather um so so we saw this tonight i actually left uh, bullish on this because they had smart they had smart approaches to things. You know they're looking at a time. One one of the things that all, all the all the startups and all the the larger car manufacturers acknowledged, some in less awkward ways than others, was that there there are legitimate concerns that people my age and younger, uh, the so called millennials, will increasingly not want a car. Right. Uh, the idea here is again and Jonathan forgive me Scott has had to sit through too many of these rants <laughs> of mine on this show but this might be your first time hearing it there is a large move I won't call it a conspiracy but there is a large move to make people in younger age brackets shift from an ownership society to a you know a subscription society sure yeah. and and I think ultimately we see it
4: with music we see yep, it with TV yep. we are seeing it with cars and we're seeing it with phones name mm-hmm. a thing
6: sure uh, and so the I, I have tremendous issues with this because I think you should be able to buy something and repair it, and when you pay for something, you should own it. That's nice. Maybe I'm just the last, last of the old school, but the, the point is, in Faraday's case, this makes it clever because uh, we say, like, okay, a new car comes out using it's, – it's like all this amazing technology in a single vehicle. Which means that the price point is probably going to be more, no matter how you slice it, than the average entry point for a four-door sedan, which is like, what, 32,000 now?
2: Yeah, it's somewhere. It's a little bit north
6: of that, yeah. A little bit north of Mm -hmm. 32,000. That's hard to put all this new stuff in there, and, like, a lot of it is really cool. I nerded out a Mm -hmm. lot of, like, I still don't know how they managed to get, just from a material science angle, production, quality, Panels, you know what I mean, like, right? Like these huge, these huge panels that are that normally would be like hypercars or, excuse me, supercar stuff. They're going to make it on a production thing, and so it's like, well, a lot of people are going to be priced out of this market. You know, uh, a lot of like nuclear family of four or whatever is going to just go for. Why wouldn't they just go for something cheaper? What they're also able to do is to have these vehicles based on outside facing. Uh, face recognition, have them customize themselves to, like, an existing profile that you would have, calling back to our Toyota concept, right? So, so like, if you're renting, what they're doing is they're saying, well, we could sell these cars to, like, Zipcar. We could sell these to a fleet, and people could walk in, uh, Jonathan Strickland could walk up, and and Faraday, which maybe Scott Benjamin just dropped it off, and it's still on Scott Benjamin's seat settings and all all these other minutiae, and it sees Jonathan walking up, and he's the next person to take this somewhere. And I've got a customer profile with Faraday already. Right. And so they they say, oh, boom, 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 transformer noise. Now it's Jonathan's car. Jonathan's way shorter than Scott. Let's adjust that seat. Right, right, right. And Jonathan has a love of accordion music, so let's get that (laughs) popping.
2: and, and
4: that's, All of this
6: is true. Yeah, so it's
2: it's a, a custom experience. Then. Yeah, so it's
6: a custom experience, and people wouldn't wouldn't be on the line for the amount of overhead capital they would need to buy their own. But then, as that production happens, as that scale increases, then of course we know the way the economics work out then the the average price per vehicle is going to go down and eventually people would be able to buy their yeah, own. Can I make a point here though? We're,
2: we're already seeing this a little bit with, uh, with Tesla. I mean, yeah. I think the lowest level Tesla is somewhere right around $100,000 isn't it? It's uh, like ninety six or $98,000. The
4: sedans are slightly less than mm-hmm. that. For the, um, for the basic sedan, it's, it's less than that. But it is certainly the pathway we saw because the first Tesla Tesla vehicle we saw come out was like a high speed roadster, yeah. and that one was incredibly expensive. Yeah. And that's, but that's what that the the limited niche interest in that very high priced car is what allowed Tesla to, to then continue mm-hmm. to create the the. Uh, I hesitate to use the word modest, but more affordable, yeah, comparatively sure. speaking, vehicles yeah. that would would follow a couple years later.
2: One program funds the other. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got you. It, it makes perfect sense. I mean, and what you said, Ben, about the price then eventually coming down after they get to a certain point yes. in sales. Uh, that makes that makes perfect and, sense. And
4: you, ben, you, you, i got yeah. a quick question for yeah, you. Yeah. All right, let's say that I'm interested okay. in getting one of these FF91s. Oh. Uh, let's say that, uh, say that I'm interested, and I, I'm like, you know what? There's probably going to be a limited number of these. Um, yeah. What would I have to do in order to, I don't know, get on a list?
6: Well, I'm glad you asked. We're switching to infomercial voice. I'm glad you asked, Jonathan, because it turns out for the very, very low price of only $5,000 US, you too can be on the pre-order list.
4: Yeah, that's they're, a that's a list. So they're taking orders.
2: They're taking orders.
4: Oh, okay. five thousand so, dollar to be on a pre order list. A
2: pre order list, and they're saying a twenty eighteen delivery date, right? Yeah, okay. yeah well I, I, I'm mostly I'm, just
4: thinking, like Scott, you don't know how many lists I'm on for absolutely free. <laughs>
6: <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: <Is> <laughs> right, that right. Well, you earned your, you hard, earned your yeah, way on those. i did. Yeah, You earned your You
6: know did. what you did. Yeah. I know. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a good point. And we've seen we've seen similar things like this. Uh,
4: but well, Tesla did it. Tes- you know, Tesla same, did same it
6: day. and that's and that's a great but the thing is that's a great example because now it lends a little bit more belief to the marketplace.
4: Right, Tesla set a precedent
1: mm-hmm. where,
4: you know, if, if Tesla had not already essentially done this, not exactly what Faraday's doing but similar enough.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I would be even more skeptical about Faraday. As it stands, oh. I'm still skeptical i am still i'll be amazed if they have a car in production in 2018. it seems
2: like they can do it i mean but but okay do I have to be the one to bring this up though and I'm sure a lot of our audience is thinking the same thing Elio motors that's a, that's the yeah. bad that's the bad example and of course now i'm the negative guy in the room because I'm saying no this makes sense there's, you have there's to something say it. that yeah I mean they, they i think another deadline has passed where they were supposed to have 100 cars delivered to customers and they're not delivered. Right. And, and they're, you know, saying, it's the same old story. It's they need more money in order to get, uh, you know, to get this production ramped up, et cetera. But they're, they're down by like 250 million or something like that. It's, it's, it's like this never ending game of them, you know, for them to catch up and they're just not doing it yet. So again, I, I know that sounds negative, but it has to be brought up because we're kind of in the same position here. There's a product that, that they're promising
1: mm-hmm.
2: that we've seen. You can, here's a concrete example. You can look at it, not the interior maybe, but you can look at the vehicle. And we've shown you how fast it is, and it competes with a Tesla. You know, the Model S in, in what ludicrous mode I think it was, <laughs> um, and it beat it. Right? It mm-hmm. had, uh, that's something we didn't talk about. That the zero to sixty time on that vehicle is
6: like two two point three nine. Yeah, yeah it's which incredible. is faster
2: than the Tesla two point five. That's quite a showing, initial showing, right? And yeah. I mean, that's really impressive. But you're asking people to invest five thousand dollars in something that you know it, it may happen in a, a year from now. Right. To get on potential and list, it's,
4: and it's. Unproven,
2: yeah. Uh, you, you've, they don't have
4: they don't have another vehicle to point to and say, "Here's our track record. This is the establishment of a track record." Yeah. Right. So they're looking for in tech we see it all the time. They're looking for bleeding edge adopters, yeah. the people who are willing to take that risk because the potential reward is that they are in on something really special
2: at the ground floor level. I mm. totally get that. I, I really do understand that. And, then, and then also, there's. You know the, the aspect of this that these are the people that can afford to drop five thousand on something. And if it goes away, it goes away. You write that off as like, well, maybe I'll, I'll win on the next time. Yeah, who next knows? Br- next that round. may
6: have been the money they were just saving to spend on Blackjack in Vegas, man. We have to remember <laughs> that people come from different considerations. That's, that's true. true. Yeah, yeah, you might
2: have just won that money last night and said, hey, you know what? Here's my chance. I didn't, uh, quite, I didn't
4: quite make enough yeah. to put a down payment on the <laughs> Faraday. And I um,
2: donated any winnings I had to take in the crew I'm, out. <laughs> I'm not sure how much you want to talk about Faraday, but yeah. um, maybe what we should do right now is take a break for a word from our sponsor.
0: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, what's good?
0: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with.
4: So you write the books, Gene, and last business. I understand now, it's a wise man who a wiser woman.
0: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
2: podcasts.
6: And we're back. Well, let's let's keep it moving. Let's move on to some other things. Should we switch gears? Oh, (laughs) Oh, man. It's a
2: car pun, is it really?
6: Yeah. Oh, good. I do those on Stuff. Good one.
2: (laughs) Uh, Really
4: good one. Yes.
6: Yeah. Let's, let's switch gears. (laughs) So, uh, another thing we saw that was pretty, that was pretty impressive. And Jonathan, I'm not sure if you, if your team saw this. So, Mercedes Benz came out with a vehicle intended for, uh, commercial applications, a delivery van. Mm -hmm. Unlike, unlike anything we'd seen before, it's, uh, steered by a human being. It would be, the guy handling the bulkier packages too uh, but there's some notable differences first the guy is driving with a joystick that is on the left of the uh like on the the left armrest no steering wheel no steering wheel okay uh no pedals either it's mm. all all the acceleration braking turning all this joystick oh no kidding okay oh, wow huh. yeah
4: with the left hand even
6: yeah Huh? Well, they like, they con- made their stake. <laughs> I mean, construction equipment sometimes has that. Yeah, like bobcat
2: type. Uh, yeah, sort of and that
6: technology exists for uh, people who like. For uh people who have mobility issues as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The thing where this van really shines is that the interior is uh lined with shelves, but it has an automated retrieval system uh very similar to or similar in some ways to the automated warehouses you see at IKEA, but on a smaller scale. Or
4: also Amazon does the same sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to see this in passing. My team was literally walking by the booth. And the way they had the van positioned with the back doors open, you could look into it and see this this shelving that Ben's mm-hmm. talking about. And I remember walking by and thinking, I I want to know what that is, but I have to go to another yeah. another appointment. So I'm very mm-hmm. glad that you were able to take a closer look.
6: Oh yeah, we're we're glad too. And they were very courteous and allowed us to bend the ear of uh, bend the ear of several people at mercedes and and thank you to thomas if you're listening who is uh one uh who is an expert uh who put off his lunch break to hang out with us and he was an expert specific on one specific part of the van which was the drones wait 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 okay so it
2: has this uh this shelving system inside mm-hmm. yep and uh, where are the drones
6: so there are two drones that ha- that rest atop on their own landing spots on the on the roof of the van, and there's an aperture in the ceiling of the van where, uh, let's say, you're pulling up and you've got two deliveries on this block, right? Then. The automated system will pull the, uh, will pull the package out of the shelf, will attach it to a a thing that contains a battery for the drone, will raise up through, uh, you know, like a series of racks and levers to attach to the drone. So it's got a new battery and it's got the package it's carrying and it's got the GPS information where to go. And then,
2: yeah, that's really slick. So, question though then is how does this hold uh, so it's on a, on a truck yeah mm-hmm. so what do you do you uh, the driver goes to the entry to uh, a neighborhood or parks. an apartment building and just parks there mm-hmm. got, yeah.
4: well especially the the idea here is that the the drones would only be able to carry packages up to a certain weight
2: yeah mm-hmm, you know yeah.
4: because it, no matter how strong your battery is unless you've got a very sizable drone there yeah. are going to be certain packages you just can't deliver this way mm-hmm. so let's uh, typically a neighborhood's going to have especially in the day and age where everyone's ordering everything from Amazon right. typically a neighborhood's going to have several different deliveries so a driver parks the van in order to make one of these larger deliveries goes and gets the retrieves the package from the back meanwhile the drones are delivering the smaller packages so while my neighbor is getting his 85-inch television i can get my pack of socks hmm. I okay. do order lots of socks that's,
2: online. It's a terrible trade. By the, you should have made yourself get the 85 inch television in that. Sometimes
4: scenario. I do get the 85 inch television <laughs> because they leave the box on front on my stairwell instead of his, and that's a huge pain in my
2: butt. So the question,
4: though,
6: I mean, I got yeah. more. I've got more questions yeah, yeah, than yeah, answers in yeah. this, really. But uh,
2: so he's not flying the drones. Then these are just uh, these, the
6: these... drones are flying themselves. But he does have uh, the driver. Will have in. Well, ha- has. Uh, displays an information that lets you know both the location of the drone, the battery state, and uh, when their when estimated times are of okay. return and stuff. And you can look back through the transaction history to see when – or the delivery history, I guess would be a better way to say it – to see – when the drone deployed, when it came back, it has all the information and it shares that actively with the cloud. I should say, this is not a production vehicle. This yeah, is another concept.
2: Another concept. And then the idea would be that the drone just drops it off on your front porch. Is that the, the thing? Or it drops yeah, it by it, the garage door? or it drops it. wherever? You, the, you, would,
4: you would probably you, have a designated spot, I okay. would imagine. You know, like, most of these programs would require the user to work with the distributor and say, when I receive packages, here's where they should be dropped off because... Uh, it, de- you know, it's so dependent upon what kind of house you have. Yeah. Right? Like, if you have a house that has, like, a big awning, then it may end up being an, an obstacle for a drone. It may be, hey, just drop this off in the back. If you have a very, uh, I don't know, uh, voracious I knew it. Yeah. in the back, <laughs> uh-huh. you're like, do not drop packages in the back for yeah. they will be shredded beyond recognition. Ooh, that sort of stuff. Uh, I imagine that would have to happen. Like, because we're still in a in an era where these sort of things are being workshopped, I don't think anyone has cracked the code on exactly what is going to be the protocol once they go into full production. Yeah, okay, got it. But I think it's a cool idea. I
6: think it's I think it's a cool idea, but there are you know there are a lot of problems that you don't encounter until you get this kind of stuff. In the wild. Yeah. Yeah. And and
4: once you do, I mean, that's the sort of, I mean, that's the whole purpose of running trials. You know, Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll have something, well, they'll identify one particular market and they'll say, let's run for six months, let's run trials in this area. And then we're going to start encountering problems. Let's log them all. And then figure out how to work around them, engineer around them, and then slowly expand beyond that. And then of course, when you move into new markets, you're going to encounter things that weren't prevalent in the old ones. Uh, There might be some places that are, have, let's say, uh, more wind. Like, here in downtown Atlanta, there are certain areas where, because of the way the buildings are, that channels wind. Sure. Drones don't handle wind so well. Yeah. So right. it may be that there's certain parts of town that you'll just identify as no-fly zones, and that's just not ever going to receive this kind of delivery service. Or, or like,
2: uh, heavily wooded lots, maybe, where right. they have to weave their way through, uh, or I guess up a driveway, that would work. But, or, or, or um, uh,
4: you know, you, you identify a neighborhood where there's a particularly high density of slingshots among the children there, <laughs> right. or if you to get yeah.
6: even further just to show what kind of problems could uh, could pop up. Uh, what about the what about the areas of the world, both in India and, I believe, South Africa, where there are aggressive populations of primates running wild? You know, oh like yeah, wild monkeys, yeah, snatching drones out of the sky. I'm sure that's a. That's a huge concern on their part right now. I'm tr- I think I'm going to call my <laughs> next. I'm going to call my next
4: album "Wild Monkey Snatching Drones Out of the Sky." Yeah, that's I a mean, great album name. The
6: the acronym is a little tricky, but it'll go. It'll you know, <laughs> go yeah, go really wouldn't well. It be a yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's. I I don't want to take too much of our our time here, but there's one other, uh, one other thing that I thought you would really enjoy, and I want to hear your take on it. But first, a word from our sponsor.
0: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage
2: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, and Ben, you kind of teased me, but you said you wanted my opinion on something.
6: Oh, so. yeah. I think, uh, I think Jonathan and I are both curious for your opinion on this. Uh, did, so Chrysler, Fiat Chrysler was also at CS 2017, mm-hmm. and they unveiled something called the portal concept, which critics called the minivan for millennials.
4: Oh, I was going to ask you about
6: this. I, I had it all
4: queued up, too. I'm like, now, Ben, let's say that I'm a millennial, but I also want a minivan. Where do I turn to?
1: <laughs> oh, well, boy.
6: Chrysler has the answer. So they, this, this yeah. might
4: have been Depending upon your point of view, this Ooh. might have been the most insulting yeah. marketing message, uh, on the show floor. It depends right? on your age, right? Yeah. If yeah. you, if you are of the age range of millennials, which full disclosure, I am not, yeah. uh, you might have found it a little, like anytime anyone uses the term millennials in a marketing message, I think it gets some people a little, a little squirrely because
2: mm-hmm.
4: it, it It's overgeneralizing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're applying this one this one set of ideas to an entire generation of people. Broad brush. Broad brush, and. and you know then it's it, it, it almost it's patronizing as
6: well like mm-hmm. we, we
4: know so. what you are going to want here's our design now that, yeah. do, that doesn't necessarily mean the design is a bad one no, just that not the, all. the messaging itself might be a little problematic
6: yeah yeah I, I I absolutely agree especially since society still doesn't have a clear definition of what this millennial thing is other than kids uh,
4: on my lawn who need to get the heck off of it
6: a, or a buzzword get their drones off your lawn <laughs> get their drones off my lawn but uh, so So, you know, one interesting thing about the definition is that for some sociological purposes, it would just be 1981-ish or after as a birth date. Mm -hmm. But one thing that might be a more accurate definition of what could be considered millennial would be people born after near-ubiquitous access to the Internet. You know what I mean? So sociologically speaking, I'm a millennial, but I remember... Not having the internet. You remember the time before, right? Yeah, which the sounds dark, so the dark foreboding. Times. Yeah, the time before yeah. the but time anyway. of the. So, so, what about
2: the vehicle though? What okay. makes it so, so strange?
6: Or- it's uh, it's, it's kind of like a, it's like a crossover. Like it's a smaller kind of Pacifica. Yeah, uh, and. It has, so, so, it has a cool door, uh, door, side door thing where the doors open up like elevator doors this way. Okay. Right? Yeah. On both sides. By, so by this
4: way, uh, Ben had oh, put yeah, his been... hands side by side and then brought them apart from each other. And
6: forward and apart. Thank yeah. you, John. As, <laughs> as
4: all audio <laughs> listeners are sitting there thinking this way means nothing. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Elevator doors. That makes sense. Elevator
6: yeah. doors. Yes. Elevator doors that protrude and then, and then Go apart, as yeah. Jonathan mentioned, and then uh, it their their idea here is that they want to make the vehicle not just uh, a place. To, not just a thing that takes you to places, but a place in itself. They referred to it as the third space. So you would have work, home, and then the car as its own space. And they've done some pretty neat things. It has some autonomy. Uh, it has also very high connectivity. So you ideally it would have uh, better, like, like Faraday has done, it would have a better internet connection than most people's home connections, yeah. okay. which is... One of the like more realistic things about it, they did a really neat thing with the uh, seat design. it's all it's it's all modular so you're mm-hmm. able to move it around easy more easily. and the audio itself, which is something that mystified Jonathan and I uh, for a second, was in zones. and this would mean that if we if the three of us were in a car,
4: we could each listen to the music that we, individually like without it bleeding over to the other person. Wait, wait, wait. Via yeah. headphones, right?
2: No. No. No, no headphones. Nope. No. Just acoustic design. Okay. This is like taking the uh, the zone climate control thing to right. the next level. Right? Yeah. Because I, 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 I often wonder how that even works. But I've been asking Ben this too because I, I did not have the opportunity to have a
4: discussion with these folks. So, mm-hmm. I immediately knowing how sound works, which I do,
6: <laughs> which you might have written smart I've on, written a few actually. I've written a few articles about how
4: sound works, and I've done a few podcasts about how sound Ooh. works. I immediately began to wonder, how the heck do you keep? sound bleeding from one side to the other and not just have it be, you know, Scott's listening to his classic rock, Ben is listening to his prog rock, and me, I'm listening to garage rock. Mm -hmm. How do you not have it just become a big mess-o-rock inside (laughs) that (laughs) vehicle, right? right, So uh, I thought, well, there's – there's, I can think of two unlikely but possible solutions to that. Let's, Let's hear them. So solution number one? You just subdivide the vehicle into lot various soundproof <laughs> capsules, sure. which means you can't have a conversation except through intercom because, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. But, but you would literally have to have a physical barrier to soundproof you from the people in the rest to- of the, ca-
2: the totally, cabin. Totally impractical.
4: Impractical. Yeah. Also, probably one of the, le- it would not be safe at all. No. It would have lots of hard surfaces to bounce off of, right. you know, I mean, very close nice. to you. Sure. Um, Option number two would be to incorporate some form of noise cancellation in between the regions where you're essentially creating the uh, mirror opposite of the sound wave that is being generated. Because if you do that, if you have – know, you you've all seen pictures of sound waves, right? Uh, The little wavy lines. Well, if you create a sound wave that's directly opposite that where it's peaking where the other one has a trough and has a trough where the other one has a peak and it's exactly the same – uh, parameters, and you play them two together, they cancel each other out. You get silence. Because, uh, essentially what sound is, is molecular movement. And if you create an opposite sound wave, then the forces are equal but opposite, and so nothing ever moves. Hmm. So I I would assume you would have to do something like that, but I still don't know how you would make it directional to the point where you would be able to hear your music but not someone else's. And if
2: they are doing that, then why don't they sell that to every single restaurant in town so or, that you or, can hear what's being said at your table?
4: Or outfit an airplane with them.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. But, okay, so what's the likelihood of them actually doing what you said there for scenario number two? I mean that they are creating four individual, uh, um, I guess – Zones. Zones, yeah. yeah invisible yeah. boxes, really, yeah, that, I don't, that you're sitting I, in?
4: I, and, uh, and full disclosure, again, I do not know that that's what their solution was. Yeah, right. I, it was just those were the two that occurred to me. Now, it's very possible that they came up with a, a completely thing, unrelated yeah.
2: third solution. I'm just not aware of it. So if that's the case, though, it would – if it's supposed to cancel out whatever's coming from, let's say, my box number one to your box number two, yeah. if they're canceling that out, then would I be able to have a conversation with you also, or would they cancel that out? Yeah, it that's be a good question. Highly muffled, like, you know, like almost like I'm yelling to you, but you can barely hear me. Yeah,
4: still, it's a great point because if you do, in fact, have that technology, how would it discern that uh, you saying, hey, is this where I need to turn? is actually you talking to me and not, like, just a crazy lyric in this new Duran Duran song. This is a strange idea. This is a really strange I idea. I agree. Duran Duran hasn't come out with anything in ages. <laughs> right.
6: And, <laughs> and just like just like that, uh, the Chrysler portal concept doesn't mention any rollout or production dates. Yeah. So this is another concept thing, but it's showing their emphasis, which a lot of companies are making. It's showing the emphasis on the interior or the experience. Some other things that are... Nifty about this is the customization of the vehicle. So if we were all, uh, if we were all at a red light and riding together and decided to switch seats, the customizations would follow you to the next seat. Hmm. So if, um, Jonathan hopped out shotgun, got in the back. No offense, I say this, because you probably wouldn't be driving. No,
4: I'm not offended at all. Okay. I'd and be offended if you had mentioned that I was driving. I'd be like, that's irresponsible. <laughs> and oh, if I boy.
6: and if I hopped in the driver's seat, then uh, this thing would automatically, apparently seamlessly, pick up the um, Duran Duran Jonathan was listening to, send it to the back zone, and there would also be these touch screens where if you see something interesting, you could swipe it and it would go to the community screen. We could all see it. This the technology proposed and the portal concept is by no means bad. As a matter of fact, as you can tell, I think there's some clever stuff there and definitely some stuff worth looking into. I still have the same concern about data, which I want to get to in a second. Sure. But uh, the the primary beef people had with this presentation was just how – contradictory at times how vague and how PR laden it sound to talk about this minivan for millennials because there's language in there, Scott, where they say stuff uh like, well, we know that millennials are a diverse group of people with a diverse range of interest and they don't want to be locked down into any one category. So we made this thing that can be customizable for them, which means that you took a phrase that comes from buzzwords and is generally um, bankrupt of any meaning bereft of any meaning mm-hmm. rather and then you said okay the millennials are, are just like other people they're just people and they're diverse and we're making a car then therefore for these millennials is therefore a car that satisfies every need of everybody and it's and, this minivan and it doesn't that's not how that's not how stuff works
4: right <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah we should know we work for a company that's all about right it. Yeah. And
6: that's so that's a little bit of a vagary, but other than, other than the, the marketing stuff, uh, and the presentation, maybe that was a little tone deaf, and I think they did start to step away from that just while we were still at CV, CES, not yeah. CVS. Yeah,
4: I agree. They, they started to see what that initial response was, and they began dynamically on the fly to kind of adjust their messaging because, I mean, what, what sounds great on paper, Often you don't know until it gets out in the wild whether or not it was uh, a good idea or if you maybe needed to rework it a little bit. Right. uh, Kudos to them for – for being, being adaptable and flexible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And also, I agree there are a lot of things that are incorporated into this design that are really intriguing to me. Some of them, obviously, are confusing to me. Like, I still don't know how that zone audio well, the, works. Uh, right. The cone
2: of silence. But
4: hey, I mean, if they can make it work, I've got a dog I would love to try it out on. Um, I mean, I love my Tybalt, but he gets a little yappy. So I think, I think this is a, uh, really cool some really cool ideas and i think like you were saying you know focusing on the experience that's something we saw across the board right yeah
6: that's a large trend
4: and i think yeah. i think part of that is the automotive industry reacting to this concept of autonomous and driverless vehicles that how do you create a car that stands apart from other cars if ultimately down the road it doesn't matter how quote-unquote doesn't matter how the car handles because it's always going to be handled by uh, a machine versus a person. How do you set that apart? And starting the conversation now about creating the experience Mm -hmm. of riding in a vehicle and having it catered to your individual tastes, I think that's largely a reaction to this – this destination that everyone sees is down the road. They're not really sure how long it's going to take us to get there. Right. But we know that's where we're headed. We know that's where we're going to be eventually. So mm. I I think that focusing on the experience was something we were seeing – through multiple companies, and not just in the automotive industry, but in the related ones too, the right. aftermarket Audio stuff, particularly. Stuff. Oh yeah, mm. like all the displays and mm-hmm. the the various ways of turning your car into uh, what they're calling the third space. Yeah. The first space is your home. Your second yeah. space is your office, and the third space is your car. All of that, to me, is is really this this scramble. Maybe scramble's too negative a word, but this attempt mm-hmm. to address those those concerns early before it becomes too late.
6: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Uh, we had an old an old boss of ours who used to always talk about getting in front of something, right? Get in front of the space and stuff. And it goes across industries. We also saw, and maybe this will be maybe this will be a good a good cap for our exploration today, but we also saw in if we go beyond auto technology, just transit technology, we saw a proliferation of companies seeking to redefine transit in an urban environment. Mm-hmm. So many tiny folding scooters, some of which were really impressive, some of which were, you know, maybe just a a re- refinement of an earlier technology
4: some of which are likely a death trap on wheels yeah. folding
2: folding electric scooters is
4: what you saw
6: yeah we've got uh we're looking at uh the future of mobility in that regard in an upcoming video mm-hmm. shameless plug uh which has uh, which has things like uh electric electric compact scooters that have ranges of up to 20 25 miles. Yeah,
4: this all falls under the realm of PEVs, personal electric vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
6: exactly. And uh nice for city use. Nice for city use. Yeah. Especially I mean, it, if you it, don't want to pay how how much per year for a parking spot in Boston? It's yeah. this
4: is the this is the future that was envisioned by Dean Kamen when he came out with the Segway. Right. But you could argue the Segway was just well ahead of its time. That the Segway was a technology that enabled a lot of this other stuff to exist. That's that we're seeing at CES these days, and of course, Segway still has a presence at CES. They had a full sure. booth at CES, yeah. um, including robots, because that's some. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they, the, you know, the it, that was sort of what Dean Kamen was seeing back then, and now we're starting to see it creep into tons of different mm-hmm. designs, some of which are not in the scooter or or electric skateboard or right. If you prefer, and I do not hoverboard categories. Right. Um, we're seeing it in other technologies as well, including things like for people who have mobility issues otherwise, mm-hmm. like in, in wheelchairs and other devices. Yeah. We, we even saw, uh, examples of exoskeletons over with the various car companies. The right. idea of, of either giving people who have limited mobility more independence or to enhance a, an able-bodied person's uh, capability of lifting, like, super heavy weights, you know. Yeah,
6: that was Honda, I believe, right? Hyundai. Hyundai.
2: It was Hyundai. I could see somebody on a, a loading dock or something requiring something yes. like that. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah, yeah,
4: exactly. And that was that was one of the examples they showed was uh, a person wearing a, kind of a full-body exoskeleton uh, that really was just – it looked like a, a frame that fit around the limbs and yeah. would provide support at the knees, the hips, essentially all the joints.
2: You know, it seems like – and even just – Occasionally, that would be useful at home. You know, if you're moving furniture, yeah, you're, uh, yeah. Or you're like you're you're doing some bar the, fight, yeah, <laughs> bar fight, whatever. <laughs> <A> you're <very, laughs> a, a very slow bar
6: fight, <laughs> <A>
4: very slow, <laughs> deliberate
2: bar well, fight. Well, say you're in the yard and you need to move all those boulders into the backyard somehow, but yeah, yeah, you, you oh, don't man, have a, yeah. a crew of people to do it. Yeah, you know, Boulder maybe two day. people could do it now.
6: And industrial applications. Uh, I mean that that I think that's one of those technologies where the demand is so present. That we could absolutely see them. So I just wanted to be clear that the future of transit, and this is according to the large manufacturers as well, the big guys are swinging on this. It's not just vehicles. Ford actually is, uh, is creating a thing they call Ford Bike Go. So they're doing a bike sharing service. They don't want to be thought of as a car company solely. Anymore. Now they want to be a uh, auto manufacturer and a mobility company. Well, okay. and again,
4: I think that this is another response to what we were talking about that that other supposed trend of millennials right. uh, giving up on car ownership ideas. Uh, obviously, m- car manufacturers are looking to diversify and get into related uh, industries so yeah. that they can remain relevant, even in a world where m- perhaps. Maybe twenty years from now, personal car ownership will be the exception as opposed to the rule. All right.
2: Well, I okay. Just yeah. s- since yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. about this, I got to bring it up. But many other car manufacturers have built bicycles in the past too. Sure, true. Peugeot, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's like Chrysler dabbled in it for a while. Yeah. I think they're Jeep branded bikes. And Honda um,
6: started as a bike company.
2: Yeah. So I, I know that that's kind of an, an old idea to, to build bicycles. Also, but are you saying that they're trying to? create other motorized forms of transportation besides automobiles there will
6: be yeah there will be some like uh uh electrically assisted bicycles that could happen uh the only real difference now would be that the big manufacturers would be involving themselves in it however i do have to say on behalf of uh, this probably goes for you as well younger car stuff listeners on on behalf of our like area our generation i think maybe uh, a lot of these companies are misreading the data what they're what they're saying is okay yeah are people my age and younger buying fewer cars yeah but you know what else they're doing they're buying fewer houses they're buying fewer large investments because the state of the economy has changed it's it's a lot of a it's it's a series of logical leaps To say that because numbers are changing, we can attribute intention or motivation to those numbers. Right,
4: right. right. So in other words, there are so many other factors that are at play here that perhaps if those factors were not at play, we would be seeing a completely different picture and it may not be a generational uh, issue so much as just – the the state of the economy in general
6: a single generation is millions of people millions of people have never had the same opinion at once yeah. i don't know <laughs> i was in
4: generation x and i think we all had the same opinion cuz we all had the same plaid shirt
6: well and the hacky sacks <laughs> <laughs> okay you're right there were two there were two of us oh, because yeah, devil, I, was, devil sticks.
4: I was i was anti hacky sack Pro Devil Stick. <laughs> Pro Stick. I
2: need to bring up one more thing yeah, here, right. and and maybe this is it. I'm not sure how much more you have sure, uh, sure. For the, from the show floor here, but um, I have a question in a couple of headlines that I read. Um, first, first of all, I saw that uh, they're building a Mustang and a Ford F-150 hybrid vehicle. That's yes, in the, that's in the works. So yep. that's a kind of a, uh, a change up for them, of course.
6: And that's actually going to happen. And, and the one that I have
2: more curiosity about mm-hmm. um, because I, I understand how you know that works. I get that. We, yeah, we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. hybrids. Yeah. yeah. The inclusion of Amazon Echo into vehicles, into your car. Um, now I know that that's in, it's making the news right now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of news around uh, Amazon, and also is it Google Home? Is that the yeah. one? Or Google, or Google yeah, Go? Google Google Home? Google Home. Oh, okay, Google. So they
4: call it. Uh, so Alexa is Amazon's personal assistant. Uh, Google Home, it is the uh, very creatively named. Assistant.
2: Okay, and I think they said <laughs> I think they said the, the Amazon Echo is what Ford is working with. They're yeah, going to yeah. integrate that into their vehicles now. Right. So what's your opinion on that? Is, it, is that something that you you need to have in the car as well? I mean, is it helpful to be able to do stuff like that from the seat of your car? I
4: think depending upon your uh, what you're using it for, it can be. For example, let's say you're going on uh, a, a long road trip. And uh let's I'll, I'll use the example of Florida. Florida is about a 6 to 8 hour drive to get down to like Orlando from here depending upon traffic and and weather mm-hmm. conditions. Uh let's say that you've left home with your family, you're all going to go down to Disney World or Universal or or I don't know Gatorland. You're going down to Orlando. Crazy Bob's Albino Alligator Wrestling Pit. I've been there, it's nice. Try the jerky. So <laughs> you're going down there and you're getting to the point where you're hitting the 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 uh, Georgia Florida border, sure, um, sure. the actual Florida Georgia yeah. line, not the band. <laughs> and you are uh, on your way, and you think, oh, you know what? I didn't, I didn't even think to check what the weather's going to be like this right. week. And you know, especially in the summer, Florida gets these rainstorms. I'm going to check, and you ask your car, like, what's the weather going to be like in, in Orlando, Florida, this week? And then your car gives you an answer. Yeah, and you think, say,
2: too hey. late. You're already there.
4: Well, if you're on your way, then you're like, oh, at the next stop, I'm going to go over to this little Target or, or Walmart yeah. or something. I'm Pick going to buy some little ponchos little and stuff. Right. So, because fair it's going to be way cheaper here than if I went to Disney World and bought them. Fair you know? enough. I but, but, get it now. So, yeah. just general information. Yeah.
6: Or, but I'm sorry. Dana, no, please, uh, go ahead. With this being said, uh, I want to make it clear that, you know, for or against, I'm generally against this, but I will say another pro to dovetail off what you said, Jonathan, which is that from purely from a safety perspective, anything that can keep the driver's hands on the wheel and their eyes on the road is going to be advantageous. So being able to say, and I I say this, you know, listeners who are named Alexa, I'm sorry, you're going to have a rough... Yeah, couple years. Uh, yeah, but the, if you're um, also
4: named assistant, yeah,
6: anybody who's also <laughs> named
4: assistant, I guess technically you'd just be named Google because yeah. it's, it's yeah. uh, uh, I just want to try something here. Like, but okay, Google, turn it off. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, yeah.
6: So the um, so there <laughs> there is a clear impetus here uh, for for safety concerns, but. The reason that I'm primarily against this goes back to some of the same conversations we've had, which, Jonathan, you may be very familiar with uh, from your role as our resident tech expert or tech expert, which mm-hmm. is who owns the data that you create every time you are in the car? It's so a privacy. It's a privacy issue. Well, it's it's privacy, but it's also profit because you know make no mistake this this stuff is going to be another product well, yeah. that is being sold. I mean,
4: yeah. when when you ask like, what is it that? What what is Google in the business of doing? People might say, "Oh, they're a search engine." No, they are an ad company, and we
2: are the product. Well, this is one of the major stumbling blocks that Apple's had with the op- Apple Car. We just sure. talked about this in a recent episode. Who owns that data? I mean, yeah. and that's and that's where the negotiation fell apart. Not uh, uh, you know about some kind of mechanical aspect. Sure, it was who owns that data.
4: And this is this is a I mean we're we're gonna have lots of hard conversations about this, not just with vehicles but with the Internet of Things and and related topics. And yes, there are very real concerns about turning your car into what amounts to a marketing engine for all the big brands out there. Like, uh, also the fact that if you are familiar with Amazon's Echo, you know it's always listening. It doesn't... we're told it doesn't record everything. That's right, 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 right. But it activates specifically <laughs> when you when you call it out. Same right. with Google Home. Mm-hmm. It means it has to always be listening because otherwise it'll miss when you give that voice command. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you you start having conversations with someone in the car, and it you then start noticing that you're getting more and more ads about the thing. Like you, you're like, hey, have you seen that TV show, such and such? And then you start noticing that you're getting ads for things related to that TV show and you're like right. wow that seems a little weird mm-hmm. these are real concerns and and uh, completely legitimate ones i have argued i am i am very much in favor of the internet of things but i do so knowing that in order to have an effective internet of things
2: you have to surrender a, a significant amount of privacy um, yeah. See, I'm not willing to do that. I would not want one of these systems in my car
6: yeah. or my home. Of I, course. I, I, would I completely be, understand. Yeah. I would be okay with it if there was some sort of profit sharing based on what they're using that data for. Like, what if I'm already buying a car, right? Yeah. Let's say I'm still one of those people able to purchase and own a car instead of just renting it and being, like, victimized by the subscription system. Uh, <laughs> what if uh, it is? It's exploitative. Um to I get degree. exploited every day, Ben. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't but, even matter to me anymore. But like, you guys see where I'm coming from. Where it's, yeah, I've already paid for a car. I'm already paying for a, a certain uh, a system on a monthly basis. And then what they're doing essentially. Subsidize their overhead, making gravy money off the top. So why don't you give me a discount for sharing this stuff? Like- well,
4: that might be what you get. You might get offers where you know your compensation comes in the form of discounts uh, to various products uh, and
6: services. Knowing that where the weather is, yeah. 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 Well, or, like-
4: or, well, or if you want to order something, and it's like, hey, I happen to know that you really like this stuff. Here's a twenty percent discount to go with this particular company if you're going to be buying that in the next you know, six months or whatever, like, it's not a one to one comparison at all, right? It's not like getting a check in the mail and saying, hey, thanks for, uh, helping us generate revenue. Here's your revenue sharing, uh, uh, you know, the check that you get. No, you don't get that, but what you might get instead, are various offers uh, that you can take advantage of where you would be quote-unquote saving money assuming, of course, that you would be purchasing said product or service already.
6: Right, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a great point. You're being very fair about it. I, uh, I just, I believe that there are some very, very, very important questions that manufacturers and consumers have yet to answer, but if we are to open this Pandora's jar and put it in our cars, we must answer those questions before someone else answers them for us. And also, you know, full disclosure, I'm so, such a crab apple about this that, like, I won't wear a lot of clothing with logos because I'm like why am I going to pay you to be your billboard buddy Uh, that's just that's just my thing (laughs) one last thing before we before we uh, hit the road again this week that's uh, a car pun that's a car pun thank you Jonathan Um, is uh, Jonathan you saw an amazing drone I did the could you tell us, yeah, could you tell us what the e hang is? Yeah,
4: uh, Scott, do you know what the e hang is? Uh, I do not. All right, now, now, listeners, I apologize for what is about to happen because uh, you won't be able to see this, but just so that that uh, Scott has a reference to work from, I'm going to pull up this picture. That is the Ehang. Okay. It is a one-person drone. Oh, wow. You fly in it.
2: Very cool. Yeah,
4: so it's a... uh, Definitely
2: look up a photo of that if you get get a chance.
4: It's a quadcopter drone. It actually first uh, hit CES last year, but I was not able to get a look at it in 2016. So in 2017, uh, we happened to be passing by the Ehang booth, and I thought... Well, gosh darn it, I want to have a picture of that thing. So we, I like it. we took some photos. We took some video. Uh, it is a – um, imagine a quadcopter drone, except this one actually has a cabin. It has doors. You can get in, sit down, pilot this thing. So it's not – it's more of a quadcopter at that point, not yeah. a drone.
2: it looks like a tiny little helicopter cockpit. Yeah. Very small.
4: And um, it can have – it has a flying time of 20 minutes. 20 minutes. And I am told – it is not
2: legal to fly in the United States.
6: <laughs> okay. Get there in a hurry. Yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, you know what? One more. That's really cool.
6: Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah. An,
2: one, one more quick thing. Yeah. We had yeah. mentioned that we were going to give Noel a nickname before the end of this podcast. And I think Ooh, I've got... Call. Okay. Now, you talked about uh, cars as the experience, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So rather than just go with, you know, just calling him the experience, I th- I say we go with um, maybe the Noel Brown experience.
4: That's awesome. That's yeah, word. I was about yeah. to say you're going to call him the experience, it's like a little close to calling him the situation. So but yeah. I like, like Noel Brown so the yeah. experience. Like,
2: car stuff and the Noel Brown experience.
4: Oh, <laughs> I like, am on board. Yeah. I'll subscribe again. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that's that's great. I'm glad yeah. you. I'm glad you remember that because Jonathan, honestly, we do our best to remember uh when. To when we say at the top, we'll give uh, Noel or Scott or myself a nickname. We're uh, we're about fifty fifty on <laughs> yeah, to man, do Uh it.
2: You're being generous because usually we forget.
6: Yeah, well, I'm not the uh, I'm not I'm not the math guy. <laughs> here. Uh, so uh, we uh, we hope you enjoyed this look. We do want to ask you uh, to check out the companion podcast. So we mentioned at the top of the show for tech stuffs. Look at CS 2017.
2: I'll- also, we need to thank Jonathan for being here today. Uh, fine. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're welcome. I'm kidding. Man.
6: No, seriously, thank you so much, Jonathan. We really appreciate it. Also, we want to recommend uh, for anyone interested in some of the futuristic technology we're talking about, as well as the way this technology interacts with society, check out the uh, Forward thinking video and audio podcast, which is also helmed by our man Strick.
4: Yep, you can uh, check that out. Uh, Forward-thinking, uh, it's easiest probably to go over on YouTube and check those videos out. We look at uh, what the future could be if we're willing to put in the time and effort to make it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always tell people it, it's an optimistic view of the future, but I also mention In order for an optimistic view of the future to happen, we have to be willing to put forth the effort to make it happen. It doesn't Uh, magically happen on its own. That's
2: the downside.
6: Yeah. Yeah, That's a great point. I appreciate you uh – I appreciate you making that way. I hadn't thought of it, but you're absolutely right. Uh, we are heading out. We want you to check out Forward Thinking. Check out Tech Stuff, where you can see both Scott and or hear both Scott and myself uh, making appearances. Yeah, uh,
4: I, there was yeah. an episode in which I broke Scott's heart live on uh, the
6: microphone. Yeah, we'll not, we'll not talk about that today. But <laughs> you can hear it right now. Yeah, if you, you can actually <laughs> identify the very moment it happened. <laughs> and, uh, and if you'd like to check out some of our past episodes, we have an episode on Faraday Future that I think Think needs an update? Uh, you can visit us at CarStuffShow.com, where you can hear every audio episode we've ever done, and oh boy, there are a lot by now. Uh, you can also uh, get a closer look at some of the stuff we're talking about with some videos we'll have coming out on House Stuff Works, Facebook, YouTube, and. Various other internet places.
4: Yeah, if you, uh, happen to cross in front of our office, you might see one playing on, the oh, that screen. screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's, there's so many places you can see our video.
6: So, uh, so do check those out. You can also see us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, where we are car stuff, HSW. You can follow Jonathan at tech stuff, HSW, HSW. Yep. And if you have a suggestion for an upcoming episode, some feedback, if you, uh, like me have a strong opinion, about ownership society as it applies to the automotive world. We'd love to hear from you firsthand. You can write to us directly. We are CarStuff
2: at HowStuffWorks.com.
5: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.